it is 7.30 or a little after here on your community radio station. And that means now is the time we uh, talk to R.W. Estella live on the phone. Good morning, R.W. Hey, good morning, Allison. One of my favorite biblical passages is from Ecclesiastes, cautioning us, there is nothing new under the sun. I'm not sure exactly what the causal chain was, but I know that as the media ramped up the attention it was paying to the Judgment Day believers last week, I couldn't help but think that the idea of the end of things was one that the human race had certainly played around plenty with before, and that it touched on one of the central premises of Ecclesiastes. In fact, Harold Camping, the retired California civil engineer who has built a multi-million dollar media empire that publicizes his apocalyptic predictions, has sprung his millenarian milestones on us before, the latest back in 1994, when he predicted the world would end. When the world did not end, Camping explained that a mathematical error had been at fault. Mathematical calculations of the Day of Doom were, of course, in their heyday, during the Renaissance, when a host of millennial doctrines were loosed from the end of the 16th century to the beginning of the 17th century, and most were concerned with fixing dates of some sort on the time of the last days. The writings of Johann Alsted and Thomas Breitman, John Archer and John Napier, were the most notorious, holding that the universal resurrection would occur toward the end of the 17th century or beginning of the 18th. Napier, in his a plain discovery of the whole revelation of St. John, published it in Edinburgh in 1593, held that Satan's or Antichrist's ruin would begin in 1592, and that, depending on which book of prophecy one went on, Revelation or Daniel, the Day of Judgment would occur in 1688 or 1700, respectively. Archer, in his Personal Reign of Christ, published in London in 1642, sided with a fellow apocalyptician named Potter, who the same year had published an interpretation of the number 666. Archer and Potter predicted that Antichrist, in this case Popery, would be ruined in 1666. Brightman, who from 1610 to 1645 had written several treatises, among them Antichristi Ponti Ficorum, A Revelation of the Apocalypse, A Most Comfortable Exposition of Daniel, and The Revelation of St. John Illustrated, placed Antichrist's overthrow at 1686. Alsted expected the seven vials written of in Revelation to be poured out between 1625 and 1695. Not all of the apocalypticians of the era, however, allowed themselves to get caught up in the literal interpretation of biblical numerology. Especially noteworthy in his alternative approach was Joseph Mead, who wrote, first in Latin, Clavis Apocalyptica, which he soon translated into English as the key to the revelation. Mead felt that when the word day was used in the Bible, we shouldn't be quick to interpret it as a period of 24 hours. In other words, that we needed to think of the word day as a figurative expression, one that well might mean a long, long time. Soon, a Mead's interpretation of revelation became known as the long day schema. Around the time Mead's treatise had been published in 1627, a young student named John Milton was about to enroll at Christ College on in Cambridge, where Meade was a don. Milton would eventually enroll in various tutorials with the much-esteemed Meade, and several decades later, in his own magnum opus, Paradise Lost, Milton would incorporate his tutor's notions about the long-day schema, and extend it to the one consolation that the angel Michael provides, Adam and Eve, 
with as he ushers them from the garden. Paradise will be within thee. An old friend of mine who hasn't been with us for several years now used to say with pride, I've never had an original thought in my life. Coming from such a brilliant fellow, the remark always bemused us. The other day, an old friend who is still with us sent me an Internet link to a weblog from Bob Sutton, who has written widely on a number of subjects for publications such as the Harvard Business Review, Business Week, the New York Times, and the McKinley Quarterly. On the left-hand margin of his blog, Sutton has a lengthy sidebar headed, 17 Things I Believe. Number 13 reads as follows. Sutton's Law. If you think that you have a new idea, you are wrong. Someone else probably already had it. The idea isn't original either. I stole it from someone else. And I think to myself, shades of Ecclesiastes, yet again. For more on Maine, have a great day. Ah, the ragman draws circles Up and down the black I'd ask him what the matter was But I know that he don't talk I 